Praise the Lord. Thank you, Molina family, for that wonderful music. God bless you. Dear church folks, remember, the doors are wide open. If you want to record some special music and send it on in, we'd be happy to use it. Please get in touch with Pastor Devian and talk with him, and he'll tell you what's involved. Now, I'm very excited about today's message. Today's message in Mark chapter 5 about this dear woman, and we're going to be looking at her life and making some very applicable comments in the light of our situation today. Someone once said that life is something like a piano, or at least the keys of a piano. They say that the, the white keys represent all of the happy times, and the black keys represent all of the unhappy times, the sad times. However, just like in playing music on a piano, you need both the white keys and the black keys. You need all of the keys in order to play sweet music. Some people, however, appear to have more black keys in their lives than white keys. And I think that may be the case of Our Lady here today. I want to relate to you a story of this woman, this certain woman, who seemed to have only black keys in her life. At least that's all we're aware of. But all that was about to change as she learned how to touch the master's garment. Now, would you bow your head in prayer with me? Our Father, we ask now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would use the, the essence, the truth of the Word of God today and touch hearts and change lives. Our Father, we thank you that we have this technology. If we didn't have it, oh, things would be, oh, that so much worse. We thank you for the, the, the wonder of this Internet and to be able to do what we're doing. Lord, I pray for all who've tuned in. I thank you for every single one. I ask you, Heavenly Father, Please to minister your grace now to your people. I pray that if there be one watching today that seems to have all black keys in their lives, that you'd help them to listen with both ears and all their heart and learn how to touch the hem of the Master's garment. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take a look, shall we? Chapter 5. In verse 21, it says, And when Jesus passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. We have here a story 
<coughs> involving an important man in the town. His name was Jairus. And according to the scripture here in verse 22, he was one of the rulers of the synagogue. He may have been a Pharisee. And this important man, Jairus, was smart enough to know that Jesus was more than just a preacher. He was more than just a man. Somehow, there was divinity in there. Now, whether he understood Jesus as we understand him, I don't know. I sure hope he did. And if he didn't at this point, I sure hope that he understood later. But Jairus had a little girl, 12 years old. If you look at verse 42, it says, uh, let's see, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. So his daughter was 12 years old. Ah, the sweet little thing, in the very flower of her youth, to be cut down like this with some sort of disease. It was terrible. I'm sure Jairus at first reached out to local physicians who tried what they could but got nowhere. The father knew somehow that only Jesus could help. And by the way, that's still true today. Only Jesus can mend a broken heart. Only Jesus can take broken lives and put them back together. Aren't you glad, beloved? Say amen. So this man Jairus, being a respected leader in the community, a ruler in the synagogue, he came and he did something unusual, something that other Pharisees would never do. They'd rather die than do what Jairus did. Jairus came and fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. You know something, beloved? You will accomplish more when you fall at Jesus' feet, when you learn to get on your knees and fall on your face before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You will accomplish so much more. You know, as I take stock of my own life, and I look back on my life, and I look at some of my failures, I am convinced that the root cause of my failures was failure to pray enough. Failure to pray properly. Failure to fall on my knees and worship my Savior and, and to roll my problem into His hand and to say, Lord, do with me as you see fit. And as I look back on these failures, they're painful, some of them. Some of them very painful. But they were learning experiences. You know, I find in my life that some of my best teachers have been some of my worst experiences. And I find that in life it's very important that we learn what not to do. We need to think before we speak. We need to pray before we get out there and do yeah, unfortunately, we get old too soon. We get smart too late. Wish it was the other way around somehow. So 
Jesus went with them, and a great crowd followed to see what would happen. Now, standing in the crowd was a certain woman. And now we're not told what her name was. We don't know. I suppose you can call her whatever you want. But I'm going to call her Molly, M-O-L-L-Y, Molly. I kind of like that name, Molly. And also I'm reminded that in the days when the Titanic struck the iceberg and was sinking, there was a lady on board named Molly Brown. And she she was a lady that helped keep people's spirits up. They called her the unsinkable Molly Brown. So I'm sure I'm wrong as far as this lady's name, but that's the name I'm going to use. And so we find Molly here had a medical condition. She had a certain problem, a medical problem. She appears to be hemorrhaging blood, a lot of it. And in verse 29, it's called a plague. The Bible here, Mark, refers to it as a plague. And so it was some sort of infection. The book of Leviticus chapter 15 speaks of a woman who's hemorrhaging blood and she was classed as unclean and had to spend time apart from her family. Now, whether this was Molly's predicament, we don't know for sure. We don't know if she was single or married, but we do know that she had this problem for 12 years. For as long as Jairus had his daughter, Molly had her problem. Twelve years is a long time, a long time to have a problem. For twelve years, she suffered isolation, if not from family, then from friends. I kind of think Molly had a family. Twelve years of shame, twelve years of misery, twelve years of separation, I'm going to say from husband and from children and loved ones. Twelve years of perhaps not being able to share the same bed as her own husband. Now, in verse 26, if you look at it, it says she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Boy, that's not so good. She went to see the doctors and the doctors went to see her and perhaps the specialists and perhaps surgeons, but nothing but disappointment. Twelve years having her hopes dashed. In fact, I think she probably suffered many things at the hands of some people who only wanted her money. They saw her as a, an easy target. I don't know, but the bottom line is she spent all, all that she had on these physicians and sometimes so-called physicians. She had no money left. She's now penniless. Now think of this. She had her problem for 12 years. This is many, many years before Jesus began his public ministry. Molly was beginning her suffering. Perhaps, perhaps when Jesus was still in his late teens is when Molly began her trouble. But it began and it wouldn't stop. It wouldn't stop, wouldn't stop. And perhaps, and again, I'm only guessing, it started a little and then more 
And over the years, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm sure she thought many times, this is never going to end. This is going to be all my life until I die. What a life. What a life. No wonder some people contemplate suicide. She's now, at this point, after 12 years, Molly is now penniless. She's suffering. She's heartbroken. Perhaps she's lost 12 of the best years of her life to a disease which appears to be incurable. And yet there's something special about Molly. Molly's not a quitter. Others would have quit years ago. Others may well have committed suicide, but not Molly. A woman of lesser character would have given up. Perhaps if it had been Job's wife, remember her? Perhaps she would have thought, I need to curse God and die. I wonder how Job's wife would have counseled Molly. Hmm. I wonder if Molly had a 12-year-old child. I wonder if this suffering began when she gave birth. Wouldn't that be terrible? All these 12 years lost as her child grows up. I wonder if she were married, if her husband had serious physical trouble himself. Perhaps he was handicapped and he needed Molly's help. I don't know. But I do see Molly as having some sort of driving force within her, impelling her, causing her to say, I cannot quit and die. I must not quit and die. My family needs me. There are people depending on me. And though I'm penniless, I must press on and though I've suffered for 12 years, but hey, I'm still alive and I can still search for the answer. And though I'm brokenhearted, I know that my heart will heal when I find the answer. There's got to be an answer. There must be a way. God is merciful and he still answers prayer. I will not quit. You know something? The greatest success stories come to us from the lives of people who would not quit and give up. Many, many, many years ago, Generations ago, there was a young boy born who wanted to be a musician. And he went and studied under music teachers. And the music teacher called him hopeless, especially as a composer. He was hopeless. His name was Beethoven. Maybe you've heard of him. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked ideas. Disney went bankrupt several times before he finally built Disneyland. Albert Einstein did not speak until he was four years old and did not read until he was seven. His teacher described him as mentally slow, unsociable, and adrift forever in his foolish dreams. Einstein was expelled and refused admittance to the Zurich Polytechnic School, the University of Bern, turned down his Ph.D. dissertation as being irrelevant and fanciful. He didn't do so bad. The movie Star Wars was rejected by every movie studio in Hollywood before 20th Century Fox finally took a chance on it and produced it. It went on to be one of the largest grossing movies in film industry. Dr. Seuss. Cat in a Hat, Dr. Seuss. His first children's book was entitled 
And to think I saw it on Mulberry Street. His first book was rejected 27 times by 27 different publishers. Finally, the 28th publisher, Vanguard Press, took a chance on it. And they sold 6 million copies of the book. <laughs> I like reading about success stories from unlikely means, don't you? Wow. Well, one day Molly heard about Jesus. Huh. What do you know, she said. Here's someone who opens the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. Here's someone who walks on water. I'll bet you, I'll bet you anything, he could help. And so she hears about Jesus, his stories, his great works. Something inside her tells her only Jesus can help. Perhaps Satan tried to make her doubt. Perhaps Satan sent a friend to try to discourage her from, from going. But perhaps the thoughts of her husband and children came to mind and she said, no, 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 I am going. And so we find Molly in the crowd following Jesus on his way to the home of Jairus. Perhaps she, she thought this is it. Now, look with me, please, at verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Wow. Now we can probably figure that Molly knew enough about Jesus to know he's no ordinary man. He's not an ordinary preacher. There's some kind of divinity connected somehow with this man, Jesus. Say, doesn't that sound something like Jairus? The sort of the thoughts that he had when he zeroed in on Jesus and went and fell on his, his face and worshipped him, as it says in the gospel account in Matthew chapter 9, how he, he fell before him and worshipped him. And now we have Molly. Well, you know what? She wasn't alone. Neither was Jairus. Nicodemus, one of the rulers of the Jews. Nicodemus, he also said that no man could do these works except God be with him. That's it, that's it, that's it. He's the God-man. There's no other explanation. This Jesus must be the Messiah. And so Molly struggled with all of the strength that she had left in her little frame, she struggled with all her might, all the strength she possessed to push her way through the crowd to get to Jesus. Perhaps as she was pushing, some men said, hey lady, stop your pushing. Perhaps some women gave her some cold looks and said, get out of here, sister. I don't know. But perhaps it took every bit of strength that Molly possessed to push her way through the crowd that day in order to get her blessing. What are you looking for from God? What answer to prayer? What blessing do you need in your life, in your family? And what are you doing about it? When you compare yourself, listen, my friend, when you compare yourself to Molly Brown here, 
How do you compare? Listen, I know this much. If Molly Brown were in your shoes, if this Molly here, this Molly Brown were living in your shoes and was faced with the same need that you're faced with, she wouldn't give up. She wouldn't give up. Christians are giving up all the time. They pray once, they pray twice, nothing. They quit, they give up. In my 40 years of ministry, I've counseled a lot of people. A lot of people have sat in my office with all kinds of different problems. And I'd give them God's answer. They'd go away and they'd come back and they'd say, it doesn't work. What else have you got? Uh, yes. I've heard that line many times. Oh, I tried it. It doesn't work. What else have you got? Folks, there is nothing else. We can do it God's way or quit. God wants to bless. He wants to do the miracle. But you've got to do it God's way. Listen, get back on the bandwagon, would you? Get back on your knees and start trusting God. Get back alone with God in your prayer closet and start crying out to God. Oh, listen, I got an email just today from someone I've been praying for. And, and this person has been going through quite a struggle. This person doesn't live in this city. This person actually lives a distance away. You know, far away in another town. Doesn't, doesn't live anywhere near here. So don't worry, you don't know them. But I know them. And I've known them for years. And I know the struggle that they're going through. And I got this email. Boy, I'm telling you, it would tear your heart out. It would just tear your heart out. It's almost down to the wire and almost total destruction. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you get back in the game plan and you do it God's way. And you let God in control of the result. Can you do that? If God should decide to make things go in a way contrary to the way you want things to go? Can you still be at peace? Can you still live for God? Good question, isn't it? Good question. Boy, we've got a Bible full of examples of men and women who've had big problems, big needs. Boy, some of the problems you and I face are nothing compared to some of the problems that certain people in the Bible have faced. And they've done it God's way. And you know, God delights in surprising us with good results. Remember our Bible verse we're using Sunday mornings, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So here we have, here we have our friend Molly. And look, look please at verse 29. Here's what happened. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Ha-ha! The word straightway means right away. It means right away at once. It means time on the level. It's a, it means, hey, bingo, it happened. She was healed of her disease. How did it happen? She touched 
the hem of the master's garment. That's how it happened. She managed to press her way through and reach out and touch the Lord. How different in the Old Testament from Testament. Yuza, remember him in 2 Samuel chapter 6? They had put the ark of God on, a, on an ox cart of all things. And they were walking behind it. The oxen stumbled. The cart stumbled. It tipped. The ark looked like it was going to fall. Yuza reached out an unsanctified hand to steady it. And God struck him dead. Well, what happened to Molly when she reached out? got a hold of Jesus and touched the hem of his garment. Instantly she was healed. This was a touch of faith, I'll tell you that. Whoa! Verse 28, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. That's faith. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, faith. Folks, we need to learn how to touch the Master's garment. Many of our incurable problems would be solved if we could but touch his robe. But pastor, I've tried praying. We'll keep on praying. Pastor, I'm at the end of my rope. Then tie a knot and hang on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't quit. Have you been 12 years struggling with your problem? What? Only 12 months? Is that what I heard? Molly was just getting started. Don't quit. Don't give up. There is an answer, and God really does want to bless, if you'll let him. You know, it's sad, but some Christians bear the weight of their problems on their back year after year, thinking that this is normal. It's not. This is never going to ever get any better. It can. Jesus tells us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Beloved, what we need to do in 2020, what we need to do is learn how to reach out and touch the hem of the Master's garment. That's what we got to do. You're spending more time at home these days You've got more opportunity now, less excuse, more opportunity to get alone with God. Look at verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. Ooh, I love that. There we go again. Fall before the master. And told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Thy faith hath made thee whole. You see, the key here is faith. Now listen, I'm not a faith healer. I don't believe in these modern faith healers. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe there is a God that loves to answer prayer. And he loves to do miracles so that we will give him the glory and give him the thanks. But so many of us quit. 
We try it for a day, a week, a month, a year. It doesn't work. And we quit. Ho, ho, ho. You're going to get to heaven. You're going to find out you quit five minutes before God gave you the answer. You quit five minutes before God unleashed to you the blessing that you sought after. There are so many quitters in the ranks of Christendom. Don't be one more. Hang in there. Keep on keeping on. You know, I look around me in 40 years of ministry, and I've seen a lot of my peers drop out of the ministry. And I've often wondered, how come I didn't drop out? What's, what's wrong with me? How come I'm still in the ministry? All I can figure, I keep rolling my burdens onto the Lord, and I live another day. Now it's been 40 years. Today, we too can reach out in prayer and humbly touch the Master's garment. Jesus made us a promise in Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And I may be talking to someone today who has some serious problems, perhaps financial problems. And you may be running on ice so thin that... <laughs> It could, it could crack and, and we'd lose sight of you forever. Some are having family problems of strife and friction. They're wondering, is this going to end in divorce? Are we going to split up? What's going to happen? And some, maybe with health, like Molly in our story, maybe your health is shot or in the process of being shot. And you're wondering, what's going to happen? Well, listen, if Molly had no reason to live, if Molly had no reason, if no one cared about her, if no one needed her, well, she'd say, okay, let's end life. But if Molly did have a reason to live for God, if she did have a reason to be used of God, then I believe God was motivating her, God was promising her, and God helped her. Do you have a reason to live? What is your reason, my Christian friend, to live another day? Does God have work for you? Is there family members depending on you? Are there little eyes looking up at you saying, Daddy, Mommy, what is your reason for living? You ask God if you're not sure. You ask God, Lord, what is your will for my life? I said it before, there are five suicides in the Bible. None of them are sanctioned of God. Five needless lives ended in suicide. Terrible. Well, we have to finish this up. Don't bother trying to touch the master's garment if you only want to live for yourself. If that's all your motive is. What's in it for me? If that's it, then this message is not for you. But if you're wanting to live for Jesus Christ and be used for His glory, then I want to give you an invitation today as we bow our heads in prayer. I want to encourage you to reach out and touch the Master's garment. Bow your head and close your eyes, would you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for...